Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello and welcome to another episode of Missing Frames. This is the podcast where we watch all the movies we should have seen by this point in our lives. I'm your host, Sean Eastridge, and I'm very excited to have all the way over from the Filibuster podcast, Mr. Dallas King and Lee Hutchison. And Dallas, this is your first time on the show, so I'm especially excited. Thank you both for being here. It's great to be here, and I'm very excited to be on my very first Missing Frames, so... Excellent. And uh, we are going to be doing one of Dallas. Dallas, is this one of your favorite movies, would you say? Or, or is this more of an affection? You have affection for this film. I wouldn't say favorite movies, but uh, it was one which, you know, as a Scottish person, of course, I have seen Highlander. So when it was discovered <laughs> like, late last year that Lee had not watched Highlander, I was up in arms and immediately on the on the sort of group to you saying we need to do this on a missing frames because you know they'll probably revoke his citizenship when they find out that he hasn't actually watched it so that's right so we're going to be doing highlander which i have owned on blu-ray for i want to say it's 2019 now so almost five years and i've never watched it and lee you have never seen this either and as dallas said it feels it feels like sacrilege a little bit (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's one of these ones that it, it feels almost like from my kind of looking in that it always feels like it's more popular around the globe and, and in America than it is kind of here in the UK. I mean, um, or even kind of Scotland, to be honest, then it doesn't seem like when people make a list of like the best Scottish films ever or the Scottish films you've got to see. This one never seems to kind of top much of the lists or seem to make much of an impression. It seems to be sort of a, a cult everywhere else, perhaps. Well, I I have to disagree with you, Lee, because you two on your filibuster Scotland episode did yes, list I, this. I definitely I would have I would have listed it there. It is one of those old ones when it all comes down to I think what you classify as a Scottish film. Is it a film which is sort of made by Scots and set in Scotland, or does it just have to be filmed in Scotland? So I mean, Scotland does play. I'd say. Well, I guess because you guys haven't seen it yet. It plays a important part in the film. And I think it's fair to say that the reason that it maybe isn't as high up on the list for, for many Scots is the fact that it is the only Scottish film or maybe the only film in history where the lead Scottish character is played by a Frenchman and you have in a supporting role the most famous Scottish actor of all time playing a Spanish Egyptian. So maybe that's <laughs> the reason. we're good. So basically we're saying this movie could not be made in this decade. Everyone would get offended. Yeah, I mean, they have talked about remaking Highlander, and even though I really enjoy the film, I don't think it's one that I hold in such high esteem 
that I would be outraged if they wanted to remake it. I know they talked recently, maybe as much as a couple of years ago, that it was Batista was in talks to play the Kurgan. I mean, I don't know who who you would play, who would play Connor McLeod these days. Would it be Jared Butler? Would it be? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I guess what famous French actors are there at the moment that could play a Scotland? I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see. But you know, it's it's not one which I hold as it would be sacrilege to remake but i think it's an enjoyable film i still think it holds up today i mean uh i took my wife to see it a couple of years ago she'd never seen it either and she actually came out enjoying it in that sort of it was kind of bad but actually in a good way sort of thing and i mean for i'm really selling it right I, I i know i know i know i'm trying to it is actually you know a really enjoyable film and but i mean even if you've never seen Highlander, you will know of it because of the music uh, of Queen, right. who are all the rage at the moment, thanks to, uh, I I put this in the vertical, comments, Golden Globe winning best drama, Bohemian Rhapsody, because I think, well, I'll talk about this in the next section, but I have severe issues with the Bohemian Rhapsody's use of certain songs from Highlander, given the time frame of the film. But, but yeah, that's a whole other argument for another time. <laughs> Right. I think no, I think we definitely want to chat about that. I think I know exactly what you're talking about. But what's funny is I know more about the the music in the movie than I do about the movie yeah. itself. Lee Lee, do you know what what is the extent of your knowledge about Highlander? How like can you can you give me even a a, a rough summary of what this movie's about? Yeah, uh Connor McLeod, uh Sean Connery in uh problematic uh, casting. There can only be one and that's i know i remember that queen had done the score but it's something i kind of forget about quite frequently um so i don't even know what kind of queen songs are featured in this movie it's just a movie that i i don't you know i'm struggling to even think of five things i know there's some sequels i know there's even a tv series about it um that i don't think the tv series has ever aired here in the uk i could be wrong it might have been on some backwater channel but i i I don't really know much to be honest that's about the extent of my knowledge too. I, I know a couple things. I know that uh, well, one, I looked it up just to do a little bit of research without spoiling myself. And apparently this movie wasn't even that big of a box office hit when it was released, which is kind of shocking considering all the sequels and spinoffs. I thought this was kind of a runaway hit that everyone was immediately on board with. But it looks like it only made about 12 million worldwide against a budget of almost 20 million. So I'm I'm kind of shocked. I guess it was video that really prompted them to uh, to pick the series back up. But other than that, I I really know almost nothing about this movie. I'm sure my my friend Richie, who got me this Blu-ray, will be thrilled that I'm finally using <laughs> his gift after all these years. But uh, Dallas, is there anything to 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 prepare us? for a Highlander that you would you would recommend a mindset we should have going into it any bits of trivia that we should know about uh, what do you think how can we best prepare ourselves well uh, I mean I discovered a bit of trivia just like a couple of minutes ago sort of doing a quick bit of research for the podcast and it will it's a bit of trivia that may potentially ruin the film for you when you when if this piece of trivia is true it would have changed the film and how it was probably seen in the fact that apparently Kurt Russell was originally cast as Connor McLeod, but Goldie Hawn told him not to oh, do it, one. and instead he went and did Big Trouble with Little China. So, I mean, it did work oh, out. Well, that's for, not so, so yeah, bad. we got a great film out of that. But 
if you you'll now probably go in and watch Islander thinking, oh, if only Kurt Russell had done it. I mean, I don't I don't know what kind of level of accent Scotch accent that Kurt Russell could have done, but I think it's probably fair to say that Christoph Lambert makes Mel Gibson look like you know Sh- Sean Connery in terms of his accents. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so he's trying to do an accent, and that makes it even better. Well, there's one line in the film where he says, I come from a lot of places, to basically get around the fact that he doesn't really have an accent, because this is another great bit of trivia, that for some reason the producers signed Christophe Lambert, a Frenchman, to the role before they realised he didn't actually really speak any English whatsoever. Not even the fact that he couldn't do a Scottish accent. He didn't know much English, so he was having to be trained while, you know, in pre-production for this film. So I don't know why. It, it That's just one of the baffling things around these this movie that, you know, why would you do that when you've you've got a whole list of, of Scottish actors? You know, there's loads of Scottish actors in the film, you know, they appear, you know, in minor roles at various points. But, you know, your main guy is a Frenchman. It's just but it's it's just part of the I think it adds to the sort of cult appeal of the film. But I mean, what I really like it, I mean there's great stuff. Uh the sword fights were actually choreographed uh, and sort of plotted out by Bob Anderson, um Olympics who oh, yeah. did the oh, Return of the that. Jedi and some of the Star Wars ones as well. So, you know, the sword fights mm. are, are great. You know, it obviously it was before that time so where CG started to come in. So, you know, still a lot of practical effects were, which are really good. And, you know, it just comes down, as a lot of appeal comes down to some of the casting. Clancy Brown as the Kurgan is probably one of the main reasons to enjoy the film. And I was lucky enough to actually see him speak live at a 30th anniversary screening at the Edinburgh International Film Festival. So Edinburgh International Film Festival considered Highlander a big enough deal as a Scottish film to put on a special screening, fly him all the way over and... You know, he was answering questions about the film, about the sword fights and the, the takes and stuff like that. And, you know, he was blowing people's minds when they actually realised that he is actually the voice of Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> and <it's... laughs> there you go. You heard it here first, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Or yeah. not here first, but let's just, yes, we'll say it's a Missing Frames exclusive. Exactly. So, uh, Lee, uh, be honest. How excited are you to, to finally check Highlander off your need to see movies or maybe not need think, to see but just movies that you should have seen I think the last time we did this together we did Leon and I was so excited to finally watch that movie and I had like high expectations going in for this one I don't really have much in the way of high hopes for it to be really any good I'm kind of looking forward to more of the conversation side than perhaps <laughs> the, the actual movie itself I think I like even then, like, I never realized, I, you know, Christopher Lambert, like, I always heard, knew of him as, like, it's Christopher Lambert, and I was, like, never heard any dialogue from this movie, so just naturally assumed he was Scottish, to be honest, so I'm already, and I was saying that now it makes sense, I was, like, I've never heard anyone call him going, list of Scottish <laughs> actors, you know, Ewan McGregor, Robert Carlyle, Christopher Lambert, and stuff, so I, I, I feel like I'm already off to an educational experience before I've even watched it. <laughs> the only thing I know him from is Mortal Kombat, where he played Raiden. Um, which is which is a whole other movie I need to uh, to to celebrate at some point with somebody, <laughs> but uh, I yeah I'm I'm with you Lee I I am kind of ambivalent I don't really this was not necessarily something I needed to see but it is something I wanted to see just because of the uh, the the cult status and people have talked about it a lot and 
frankly, I, I don't know. Part of me wants to see it just so I can then go on and see how terrible the sequels are because I, I hear they're atrocious. Dallas, have you seen any of the other Highlander I've movies? I've never actually watched them, but I think, uh, yeah, Highlander 2, The the Quickening, is, I think it is basically one of the worst sequels of all time and right. basically goes against the entire sort of mythology of Highlander about there can be only one, yet it spawns multiple sequels and a TV series. So <laughs> they don't stick to their own rules. That's the problem. Yeah, it's a very hypocritical series is, is what I'm getting. <laughs> but yeah, I'd say I, I'm, I'm lukewarm, but I, I'm looking forward to being pleasantly surprised. I'm all for like cheesy 80s action, uh, especially kind of... Uh, not sword and sandals, but that kind of fantastical element in the eighties. It never really turned out <laughs> well, but uh, but I, I'd say I'm looking forward to it. So let's go ahead and get to watching Highlander. Now available to own on video cassette. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, we've watched Highlander. Uh, Lee and I, as we've established, were the ones who hadn't seen it. Uh, Lee, how do you feel about Highlander? I feel that I've never had so much grief for never having watched a film in my life before that during the <laughs> interval break between our first conversation and having watched the film, I'd put up a tweet that was like, watching Highlander for the first time. And, you know, it's like with your tweet, you usually maybe get the odd like or something like that. There was like people just behind you going, how come you've never seen it? And, and then people started just sharing. I went to sleep and I woke up with people having conversations about their thoughts and experiences with Highlander. And, and then like the next day I had I'd kind of watched it in two sittings and people are messaging me going, so d did you like it? Were you interested in it? And it's like, I've never had anyone that vested in any film I've talked about or reviewed or been involved with before. So this is uh this has been an experience. <laughs> yeah that was amazing uh i i couldn't believe this is it's funny because that conversation kind of kept circling around on itself where everyone was like highlander oh my gosh i can't believe you you haven't seen it and then someone else would come in and be like yeah i watched it and it's pretty stupid and someone will be like yeah it's stupid but you know i like it it was amazing to see people talk themselves out of liking it and and then back into liking it for for like oh well i saw it when i was a kid um I do feel like this is one of the it's I mean it's rated R so it's I feel like if you're a kid and you saw this movie that's a lot of the appeal is like oh I'm seeing a grown-up movie this feels like a movie that was made for 12 year olds uh, even though <laughs> technically you wouldn't have been allowed to see it in the theater um, but uh, I, I I don't know what to make of this movie I I, I, I didn't I didn't hate it I, I, I didn't uh, particularly like it it was like so stupid but not as zany stupid as i wanted there were things i liked there were things i was like what am i watching but it wasn't awful i just don't know how i feel i'd go along with that i was watching it with my girlfriend who kind of joined me about 
20 minutes in and then left with sort of 20 minutes to go and she was like just laughing all the time going this is kind of stupid <laughs> but we're still watching it and just engaging with it and kind of talking about it it was never so bad that you're like oh my god we've got to put this off it was kind of like yeah this is kind of really odd and then it'd be like you'd get lines like sean connery talking about you know he is literally in the scottish highlands and then he turns around and says i'm from egypt right and I think we both looked at each other and went come on that's the, that's the thing about this movie the accents are are all over the place nobody seems to have an accent that corresponds with who they should be or where they are well i mean from. sean connery has you know throughout his career has basically built a career on you know he's played an irishman in the untouchables uh russian in hunt for red october but has never once even i don't think ever even attempted to put on an accent he's just like yeah i'm, I'm gonna do my own accent and what you're gonna stop me i'm sean connery it's like in blade runner 2049 <laughs> when harrison ford the joke is like he basically came onto the set wearing his grey t-shirt and it's like, um, okay, Harrison, we just need to get your wardrobe. And he goes, no, I'm not wearing that. I'm going to wear this. And they're like, um, okay. Because <laughs> he's just so in, out of keeping <laughs> yeah. with everything else. But yeah, no. And I'm going to take your big check for being in this film at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I thought it was so funny because I, I, I almost forgot Sean Connery was in the movie until he appeared. And there's really... This movie is all over the place. It doesn't really justify anything. You're just kind of like along for the ride. And his whole thing is, yes, I am one of these these people and these immortal uh, individuals. And now I'm going to train you. And I'm thinking, wait a second. If they're all supposed to be killing each other at the end, why would he want to train him up? Why wouldn't he? I, I, it was just completely wacky. I think as well, like I was very surprised at how like my kind of preconceptions going into this movie was Sean Connery would be in it the whole movie yeah and it would be like a lot more about sort of training up uh, Connor McLeod and that it would all be set in Scotland I didn't realize there was this sort of New York angle in, in different time periods so like I've kind of based this entire preconception of what Highlander is based on the poster of yeah. Connor McLeod in Scotland and Sean Connery's in this movie and none of the other stuff had filtered through to me at all about you know krakens and time shifts and you know that he actually you do see him live out his life technically as an immortal yeah the, i think christopher nolan ripped this movie off i think his whole i think every, he owes his entire career to uh to highlander i think that's what i learned from this movie i didn't either i didn't know that i i think maybe in the back of my mind i knew uh something about the i mean since they were immortal i knew there was maybe something but i i we we start the movie off Again, I think the first 15 minutes are so evocative of this entire movie because it throws you around a bunch of different things. But, you know, we start off at a wrestling match and I'm thinking, wow, this camera move is actually pretty cool. I wonder how they did that. Also, why am I watching a wrestling match? And uh, then we have Christopher Lambert in the, the audience watching. And, and then all of a sudden, this, I, I just remember the close up of him and this guy shouting in his ear behind him. And I'm just like, OK, this is going to be that kind of movie where I don't know what's happening or why what the motivation for the shot is but uh then i i just imagined what it must have been like to get the screenplay and just be reading this like okay mcleod sits in a wrestling match then he goes into a parking garage then someone approaches him with a sword and they engage in an intense battle and he chops off his head i was i just i can't imagine getting the screenplay and thinking yeah i see this working <laughs> it's so crazy 
Yeah, it, it is so kind of crazy and it feels very much of of its time for sure. And you can sort of see why something like this would probably be appealing at kind of the, the, the decade that you get movies like sort of Predator and such like. It just feels, but this feels like very much on the lower end of kind of that quality. Yeah, it has this kind of frantic camera work in cinematography that I actually kind of admired. I don't know. Dallas, how did you feel about the the camera work in this movie? Did you notice it the first time you saw it? Like the it swoops around a lot and there's a lot of very dramatic uh, uh movements. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I probably saw it for the first time probably on like VHS sort of early 90s. Um around that time where you know, we go and get like a double bill of movies at the from the video store at the weekend you get one for the family and then i was sort of getting into that age was i was starting to get interested in film and you'd be able to get something a little bit more adult and you know not adult films but uh for more for grown-ups with the in, in that 80s sort of style where you had like the terminators and robocops and that sort of thing and this was one of those ones that sort of seemed i, I mean i remember the the video cover was sort of images from like the end it was like you know Connor McLeod where he's got where he basically receives the quickening and he's like you know he's and you've got the Kurgan with the helmet on and stuff like that so I mean again that those sort of images on the old style poster would not really give you any idea of what sort of film you're about to watch but right it was I mean it's it is very of its time and it's it's clear even just from like the filmmaking and the sort of camera movement stuff like that that you know the director has a background in sort of music videos and stuff like that i could you could sort of see that sort of stylistic sort of thing coming through and i was just looking back just before this at his back catalog of music videos and there's some corkers in here you know video killed the radio star by the buggles uh, i'm still standing by elton john vienna uh, by ultravox and total eclipse of the heart by Bonnie Tyler, you know the one with the, the the kids with the freaky glowing eyes and stuff like that. So, I mean, and Rio by uh, <laughs> Duran Duran. So you know he had a lot of again. I think that's basically probably one of the things that got him the job. I think this was one of his first feature films, if I'm correct. And you know he he certainly leaves a visual stamp on the film, if if nothing else. Yeah, and it's not surprising considering it, the movie at times feels like a music video. And I guess we should talk about the Queen soundtrack, which is fantastic. It's probably the best part of the movie aside from Christopher Lambert's accent. Um, but I, uh, I, I'd heard a lot of these songs before and I just, I, I it was, it was funny cause you think of the song who wants to live forever, which is a really beautiful uh, moving song. And in the context of the movie, they actually use it pretty well. Um, but it just, I, I wasn't it nominated for an Oscar. It's just funny that it's like the Oscar nominated song from the film Highlander. Uh, it, it it's a very powerful emotional song that feels kind of out of place in a movie that's this absurd. Um, but I I did love the opening credits kicking off with Master. What was it? Masters of the Universe. I can't remember the name of the song. That's is that a copyright issue? They can't do Masters of the Universe. I'm not too sure, but I kind of chuckled. Princes, princes, of, the princes of the Universe. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> I, I kind of chuckled when I was hearing the sort of the Queen soundtrack because obviously just recently Bohemian Rhapsody has come out and you know everyone has a hot take and opinion on that but one of the sort of the more amusing parts of Bohemian Rhapsody that does open itself up to parody is that when uh, 
uh, Freddie Mercury finds out that he's you know kind of got terminal AIDS like the music nobody wants to live forever starts playing in the background as someone's like singing it or something along those lines and I just kind of like oh my god no way that happened and that is such a unsubtle moment and then when I I never really realized this the song kind of came from Highlander so when that came on I was like that makes it even more terrible that that was the song that they picked was it's like you know well, it plays imagine- it plays during uh well you know he's he's in the flashback scenes he's with his his beautiful wife and she's you know growing older and dying so it's just as on the nose and and obvious as it sounds like it was in bohemian rhapsody <laughs> absolutely it was a it was an interesting score like i, I much prefer their score for say flash gordon to to this one uh, not many of the songs really i'm not a big queen fan generally none of them stood out that much to me compared to say you know the the ones from flash gordon where we all sing and associate with the movie to this day it feels more like oh queen did the soundtrack to this as opposed to queen did this really belter of a song for well, this i think movie. Uh, part of it is well i mean i think they were involved with flash gordon from from the outset but with this i think i read that they were only really brought on to do an end so a credit song which was going to be it's a kind of magic but when they actually saw the film they were actually brian may was apparently inspired to write who wants to live forever based on that bit which is why you kind of get the orchestral sort of bit before it leads into the song but i mean i said in the intro that i had an issue with bohemian rhapsody and it's the fact that you know they use that piece of music from highlander which was filmed and released in 1986 and live a the you know the bohemian rhapsody moment where he finds it is is for some reason set just before live aid in 1985 and i'm like but that song wasn't written and released until 1986 and it's appearing in a scene from 1985 you know <laughs> i mean there is a lot of historical inaccuracies in bohemian rhapsody but uh you know that's one of those things i'm like well that it was in highlander in 1986 and that's not they can't use that there <laughs> it sounds like what you both are saying is that highlander there there's an obligatory double feature here highlander and bohemian rhapsody should be watched back to you back. could make it a triple with flash gordon <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I'd be up for that one. Make it, and then just you know what, throw the Mighty Ducks in there because doesn't the Mighty Ducks have a Queen song at the end of the movie? Yeah. Why not? Let's just get ev- get the more the merrier. Um, I I need to talk a little bit about Christopher Lambert in general. Who uh, I, I I'd forgotten that he didn't speak English, <laughs> and I, it it makes perfect sense because I. I, th- I think there's a line in the movie where he's basically like, I come from many places, and I think that's supposed to be justification for th- the atrocious accent he carries through this movie, which even in the Scotland scenes, he can't do the accent. And, and I so it's like that, that excuse doesn't make sense, but he is so fierce in this movie for like the first 20 minutes, he doesn't say a word, and I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if they'd reduced his dialogue because they knew <laughs> they knew trouble was a brewing but he's got this fiercer than fierce look um he's not great but there's something kind of charming about his performance in like an arnold schwarzenegger type way where you're like this guy is so out of place but i kind of love him how did you feel about christopher lambert lee 
Yeah, he kind of has that sort of a bit of like you look at him and think he's kind of a bit looks a bit dumb. Not much brains there. He's clearly an actor because of his, you know, dashing French good looks and right. lovely hair. You don't look at him going, you know, that's a thinker. That's a deep kind of guy. He just seems like someone that, you know, will turn up and do a competent job. I mean, I thought his accent was it wasn't bad, really. I mean, I've heard a lot of terrible scottish accents in my time and i think it was kind of made slightly more awkward by the fact that i was kind of reading that a lot of the scottish extras were from like glasgow university and you know so they've got proper scots surrounding him and you know a scot in the form of an egyptian in sean connery (laughs) but like i was also reading as well that when like they were doing these battle sequences you know these scots that they had actually cast for um to fill the roles were so enthusiastic about hitting each other with the swords that they were all injuring each other and causing damage <laughs> and stuff so it sounds like quite an interesting set is that all is that at all surprising considering the scott behavior is that something no you expect? no rabbit <laughs> i you know mcleod is such a a strange character this movie is so uh the structure of it and the way they choose to tell the story is so strange I thought one of the strangest things they did and one of the creepiest things they did is they kind of show a flashback of him saving a little girl in some I I, I think it was World War 2 because it's the Nazis Um, but he saves this girl and I love uh, he he's talking with the grown-up version Rachel is her name he's talking with her and this, he's like, ah, yes, I remember our first meeting. And the screen explodes. And I was like, oh, okay. And it transitions into the, the flashback. But he's like, don't worry, I've got you. And then they flash forward to present day. And there's, like, the implication that there was a romance between them, it feels like. I just didn't, I was, I wasn't sure how to take that. I was like, he saves this little girl and he they she grows up and they're romantically involved. I don't know. Did you guys get that vibe from that? Um, uh, I'm not sure if I I got that vibe. It was it was more just sort of like I don't know if it was more of a, like a protective sort of initially father thing. Although yeah, it would be a bit creepy. Yeah, to start off, given where they met, and then basically tossing her aside because she's too old. And he's like, oh no, I've been through that before, so I'm not going to do that. And then, uh, and then I'm gonna, and then she's probably kind of jealous of this new woman that comes in and stuff like that. And she's like seen this all before, and it's like, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's a bit awkward at times, but I mean, yeah, that scene, that was apparently one of the deleted scenes. Apparently, there's the 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 main version that everyone now sees is apparently a director's cut. So, I mean, I'm not sure you can sometimes tell there's certain scenes depending on what quality of DVD or Blu-ray you're watching that the the quality of the shots mm. changes from moment to moment and that was one of the scenes that got added in back and it, it yeah. is slightly jarring with his sort of whatever you say jack <laughs> as he sort of machine guns down in that scene it's like yeah okay that's slightly different to what we just watched but yeah <laughs> this movie has the strangest sense of humor i remember like there, there was that line when he shoots the nazi and then the line where he's fighting uh uh was it the kurgan is that it yeah the kurgan yeah. so he's fighting him at the end and and his girlfriend rescues him and he goes what took you so long and it's supposed to i guess be a laugh line <laughs> and then he fights the other he goes back to fighting uh but speaking of the kurgan clancy brown who's who's been in so many things that I, i'm like oh it's that guy 
is clearly I think having the most fun of of everybody in this movie and it's the polar opposite of Lambert's performance he's so stoic and stern and Clancy Brown is just in a, a completely almost from like a, a Mad Max movie uh, <laughs> how did how did you feel about the Kurgan Lee yeah I thought it was quite a fun character to play you can imagine getting a script for that and it's like yeah I'll turn up and do something like that and I kind of <laughs> it took me a little while to actually realize it was Clancy Brown and I mean you you really think like he has starred in some big movies over the past years you know even from like in just recently you've got Thor Ragnarok and Ballad of Buster Scruggs right. uh, Dallas and Robbo you know the uh, something uh, close at home but yeah he, he seems to have kind of appeared in a lot of things and it was just like watching this going wow it's amazing that he managed to continue to have a career after something like this it was it was kind of terrible but funny at the same time oh Apparently everyone no, was no, terrified no. of him yeah i i i thought he was i think he is the film's sort of saving grace and that you know a lot of it is is not that great but i just love clancy brown's performance because yeah like you say he is all in fully committed and you know doing you know his take on this character and yet it goes to some interesting places but i i think he sort of basically steals a movie whenever he's on and yeah he's a very i mean very physical imposing presence but you know that sort of scene in the i think it was the scene in the church at the end i think he basically just went off script and started making stuff up like when he's sort of like <laughs> trying to you know sort of tease the nuns and freak them out and stuff like that and is you know it's better to I have something to say it's better to burn out than fade away apparently he was just making that stuff up and they basically just kept it all in he was basically yeah taking over at that point like i do love the scene where he's like just it's almost like a five minute scene of him just driving manically through new yeah. york and it's just like this is going it's that's, still that's going I I, I oh, no it's Max still vibes. going it's just him driving driving screaming yelling i'm like oh george miller must have stepped in to direct this scene um, I do love that the line that he improvised that you mentioned, Dallas, because I feel like that describes his performance for me, where he was like, I'm just going to go crazy. And if it if it fails, I'm going to fail spectacularly. But I agree. I think he's one of the highlights of the movie for me because he's so unhinged and so crazy. And and the movie is so ridiculous that I wanted more of, of him throughout, like to really amplify it. But it, it's so like tonally it's weird like i, I can't t i'm like am i supposed to be taking this seriously do i am i supposed to be laughing at this i'm, I'm doing both is this okay i um I, it, it was hard because they try to create a sincere romance between him uh between lambert's character mcleod and uh and what's her name is it brenda yeah who's <laughs> a forensic I, I love on wikipedia her character is described as a forensic pathologist investigating the string of beheadings <laughs> in New York City. <laughs> Perfect representation of how ridiculous this movie is. But, like, I thought it was so funny when he finds out, like, oh, yes, she's a pathologist. And he gets her a book about, like, the art of making swords. And uh, it's supposed to be a touching moment. I, it was hard to invest. It was hard to invest because the movie... It's an interesting structure jumping back and forth through time, but it doesn't like once you're I feel I felt more invested in the past than I did in the present stuff. And I almost was like, I wish they just focused on that. I get that they kind of wanted to touch on the immortal angle. They wanted it to take place in present day. But uh, 
I felt like whenever we jump back to the present, it's just like McLeod walking around looking upset and then trying to woo his woman and all those things. But I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, it, is feel, it feels like such a weird movie because at the beginning you think it's like this origin story, sort of the training montages building up. But then we have this sort of crime story that's going on and then a romance kind of story. And it, it seems like we have such a kind of clash of what actually is the, the tone of the story? What is the actual plot going to be? It seems like a real kind of mishmash of ideas, which I think probably gives a bit of, a, of its charm. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things in this film which basically centre in the 80s. I mean, like you say, the, the mentioning the training montage, that is almost out of Rocky Three. went down to the point where they're running along the beach, right. sort of pretending to be stags <laughs> and just I like, totally yeah, just like Connery going, yes, yes, do it, McLeod. <laughs> and the sex scene as well is totally 80s. And the fact that it's sort of bathed oh in shadows, God. you can't yeah. really see everything. You can see everything, but you kind of can't see everything. And I mean, apparently there was a, a rumour that people from who made the terminator were quite upset with this film because it did copy a lot and i mean yeah there's there's no robots hunting anyone down but i guess you've got a slight time travel element you know you've got a guy walking around in leather sort of checking into hotels and stuff and then like that sex scene is almost shot for shot the one between kyle east and sarah connor and and as well and just and just the completely inept new york city cops from the 80s i mean it's like yeah, we've uh, cordoned <laughs> off this old parking lot, but it takes the w- it's it's only when the woman comes along and actually just decides, oh look, there's a sword under that car. They're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I know. We should probably should check that. Yeah, and it's just like yeah, and the interrogations like in the uh, in the thing, it's like you know we've heard this, we've we've arrested this guy. What have you got on him? Nothing. Oh right, well, that's okay. well. I love that, and that- he's he goes. Uh, so he's in there. They're interrogating him. We we are introduced to the the absurdity of his accent full force and as i'm still trying to process that he starts punching and fighting the cops and then after he like beats up all the cops he goes am i under arrest and they go no and he goes okay it's like wait you just beat up a bunch of cops now you are under arrest you do they have a motivation to arrest you now but uh yeah it feels very very standard like that it feels like the very standard 80s movie and then the rest of the movie is just completely out of of left field and 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 connery showing up in this absurd outfit doing karate kid montages because that's totally again they totally rip off terminator uh the karate kid when he's out in the boat and he's like you must achieve balance and i'm like wait a second i've seen this movie before there's a lot of that in highlander but it's (laughs) and i love he gets knocked off the boat and he's he's screaming help i can't swim and then he sinks to the bottom and he has this hilarious like aquaman moment where he's like oh i can i can talk underwater i can breathe and i was like i i don't know i don't know what i'm watching right now i i don't know how i feel about this but i did like i like the training montage a lot i thought that was that was a very fun moment in the movie kind of apropos of nothing it just sort of jumps into a training montage and Apparently, Connery and Lambert really loved working with each other. That's why Lambert insisted Connery come back for the second movie. Yeah, I'd read as well that Connery shot all his scenes. And I, if I'd known this ahead of time, I wouldn't have expected him to have been in more of the film. And um, that Connery only like was there for a week and he did it like they managed. And I suppose that's where... <clears throat> 
I suppose that's where his kind of music video background comes in that he was able to record all of that kind of Sean Connery scenes within a week on, in time and I think they even had like a bet on about uh, could he actually do it so I thought that was kind of pretty impressive it, it was the the scenes between those two really were the kind of the highlights of the film so Connery certainly earned his million bucks in my eyes <laughs> yeah no they got everything of his filmed and then used to stunt doubles who probably did not look much about it like the the two actors to then go up the top of the mountain for those shots you can clearly see that that's not them but yeah there's another they have fun roger bi- moore or george lazenby up there <laughs> filling in. well it's another fun bit of trivia that the sort of introductory sort of bit where connery's explaining the sort of history of you know the immortals and stuff like that apparently the reason there's an echo is because apparently they recorded it in his bathroom in his villa in spain not surprising at all this movie like kind of carries a sort of slap dash like yeah i mean if you can't do it anywhere else sure just send us the audio you recorded in your bathroom we don't have time to re-record it just do it <laughs> it's just it's i again it's kind of it's hysterical to me that they signed lambert to the movie and once they'd signed his contract it was he was it was he was completely on board they find out he can't speak english it just feels like that kind of like oh maybe we should have thought about asking him if he could speak english before we sign him to this movie i feel like a lot of this movie uh is representative of that where they just kind of threw a bunch of things into it and they're like oh does this make ah whatever we already filmed it let's just go with it and i mean uh, hats off to christopher lambert's agent who clearly (laughs) had stretched the truth you know he's he did a hell of a deal to get his his client that job oh can he speak oh yeah yeah he can speak english of course he can it's like it's christopher i'm looking at your uh, resume it says you can speak english that's right isn't it oh we we yeah 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 well that's what i'm wondering did he audition or did they just hire him based off his looks like did they just say oh that headshot yeah that guy looks like he could be angry let's make him highlander without yeah. even thinking about whether or not he speaks the language was it, was it i not, suspect you've answered your own question there was it not tarzan <laughs> though was it not did he not get that off the yes. back of tarzan where he probably again was not speaking much english and even then it, whatever it was it was probably written down for him he probably learned it on the day and said it and whatever. Oh, but then he it. he wouldn't have to really you know have a great grasp and, and need any particular accent for that so i think it was probably the physicality of tarzan that probably got him the role and then then they found out they had a slight problem it explains though why throughout the movie his expression never changes it's probably <laughs> because he didn't understand what he was saying so he just like he's just like i'm just gonna say it with no inflection no <laughs> emphasis on any particular line uh, i'm just gonna everything will be the same and then i'm sure uh uh, the director was like oh, just a little happier maybe a little sadder but for the most part he's pretty static emotionally throughout uh but uh, lee as far as as thing things you you like about highlander or things you enjoyed about the movie what do you think works in this movie's favor that really it, i mean people love this movie like you said you got such a response on twitter when you mentioned you hadn't seen it what is there anything watching it for the first time that you could see like oh i i guess i see why people like it so much i think kind of at the time like there wasn't sort of any big like i even kind of you know up in paul probably until about braveheart like there's not been many movies 
shot in Scotland about Scotland where it kind of portrays Scotland as maybe something other than you know drugs and squalor perhaps you know <laughs> your kind of train spottings like there's something like this where you don't get really much in the way of Scottish fantasy and something on this kind of level where you know it fuses genres and I can imagine for people it's like hey look we can see our own country on you know in this kind of way I think it kind of is quite appealing it's sort of a bit of an enigma at the time really and you know Scotland would become kind of more represented on the big screen sort of in the the 90s and you know even things like sort of Avengers now so it's it's kind of come quite a long way and I found like the training stuff with Sean Connery that was really enjoyable and I it kind of flew flew by it wasn't it didn't feel like a long movie there was some f- bits of you know amusement some scenes maybe dragged on or plots I wasn't really into but overall it was quite a quick watch really you know I, I did did do it in two settings because I was a bit tired at the time but it, it was an enjoyable watch it wasn't you know a, I didn't think it was a great movie really but it was an easy watch and it was quite quite charming yeah it's got a unique angle to it just the idea of of the Highlander and and this whole mythology that they kind of built it, it feels too big for one movie which is why it's surprising or it's not surprising there were more of them but like they have such a in-depth mythology for this thing that I I can see especially for like young kids who saw this movie when it first came out how like it's such a a strange unique and exciting movie oh this guy they fight each other and they decapitate each other that's so cool and there's lightning and he's immortal this is awesome um i i get that appeal um and it, it, it like you said lee i was never bored i was there were things i was less interested in but it was always like it moves so quickly and it's just so bonkers that I was kind of like, okay, all right, well, I don't hate this. This is fine. Uh, Dallas, was there anything you noticed with this latest watch of the movie that you, that you maybe appreciated more, or maybe uh, you noticed just the, the seams showing a little bit more? You know, I mean, watching it back this time, this is probably maybe my fifth or sixth viewing of it. You, You know, it, some of the flaws are more noticeable. The, there is no real sort of romantic chemistry bet- between them. And it's the fact that he basically gets her to stab him, which before leading to a sex scene, it's like, really? Okay. That's, that's his <laughs> seduction technique, you know? Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, I really like the, this, this, the stuff in Scotland, you know, Eileen Donnan Castle on the West Coast has become a huge sort of tourism spot. Part of it will be because of this, but, you know, it's noticing things like, you know, James Cosmo as one of the, you know, as one of the, the leaders of the, the McLeod clan and the fact that he's basically, you know, they talk about immortals in this film, but he's basically been playing that same role of sort of chieftain leader in Scotland for the past 30 years. And, hasn't really aged that <laughs> yeah. much you know his beard's got a little bit more white but he looks pretty much the same and you know he's in Braveheart Outlaw King Game of Thrones all these sort of things he turns up and basically comes in does and filibuster and always does the same thing and this is a very specific reference that only people in the UK will probably get but any fans of Hollyoaks might have noticed that uh, Jack from Hollyoaks <laughs> who ran the pub was the uh, sort of priest in the uh, McLeod clan, so that's just uh, something I noticed. I was like, I'm sure I recognise that person, and then figured it out. But yeah, no, for me, I mean, one of the things I still like about it is the the sort of fight scenes and the choreography for the sword fighting, and it's sort of a dual-edged sword. Uh, pardon the pun, so to speak. But it's like I kind of like the fact that not everyone knew kung fu, 
you know that thing that ever almost since the Matrix and whatever that if anyone suddenly is involved in a fight, they always seem to know some sort of martial arts. But then I started to think, hang on, these guys right. have lived for hundreds of years. That is the perfect opportunity to train up in lots of different fighting styles, especially if you're going into one. You know that you're eventually going to be in one long final battle, so maybe they should have known something. But I imagine if it was remade today, everyone would be all you know they would have traveled to japan and china and learned all these different martial arts i mean i've never seen the tv series i don't really know what the tv series is about but i can imagine it's like a maybe like a sort of incredible hulk meets uh, the littlest hobo slash quantum leap where each episode is like him in a different time period as he sort of goes through his journey and stuff like that but that's what i did like i still think the some of the the sword fighting and choreography still holds up um and I mean the special effects, you know, there's, it, they were again. This was near the beginning of sort of CGI and stuff like that. So, I mean, I believe they said that the the effects at the end with the lightning and stuff were meant to disguise the obvious wires that are holding up Christopher Lambert at the end. But unfortunately, it kind of just makes you notice it more. I'm surprised for the 30th anniversary they didn't do a quick, you know, go back in and polish and kind of remove them, but they they were still there on the version that I watched. So. Oh yeah, me too. I I, I have that. That's one of, specifically one of my notes. I was like, oh yeah, there are the strings holding him up, uh, and I love that. It's just like the the effect of the Kurgan. Yeah. His spirit is on the loose, and it's just it's just a cartoon now. He's just fighting a cartoon character. It's great, uh, but I uh, I. Let me let me ask you this. I think we talked a little bit about this beforehand, but Dallas, have you you have or haven't seen the sequel? I haven't seen the sequels. No, I've only ever seen the first. Five right. Movies, so. I'm kind of curious. I know. I know that's probably like I, I'm signing my own death warrant, but I I, I am curious about the sequels. I just wanted because I hear the second one is so bad, and I actually went I what i've heard about the second one is that it com- it's not only terrible like one of the worst movies ever made it also ruins highlander in some way like they changed something about the uh the mythology that makes it like it just completely undoes the uh the the magic of the first one and i so i looked it up do you guys know anything about highlander yeah no, i know that they they basically go Back, roll back on the thing that he is the the final, you know, immortal, and he's now mortal. And that, that actually, there's other ones. Is it that they're are they not also from another planet now? But just looking at the um, IMDb thing about Highlander Connor McLean must prevent the destruction of Earth under an anti ozone shield. I'm like, what? Right, exactly. There's a Amazing. whole ozone layer. This sounds like the Superman Four <laughs> quest for great. peace sort of version of Highlander. My understanding is that they they kind of retcon the whole Highlander uh, mythology to say it's kind of like a Matrix thing in Matrix Reloaded where they were like actually it's orchestrated we orchestrated it so that you are part of our control system and we will uh, we just recycle it over and over again to make you think you're in control that's basically what happens they're basically like Highlanders are a a system of control created by a distant planet and they put they deposit them on Earth to uh, kind of keep them under control i think is my understanding maybe i'm wrong about that but it, it that that was the vibe i got lee what did, is that what you read about with highlander 2 well i haven't really looked into what they were going to be about i know sean connery does come back for the second one 
But um, I remember when I was sitting on the couch with my girlfriend when we were watching it, I kind of went into sort of the Wikipedia page and I went, yeah, I know they've definitely got another sequel. I know that. And they did a TV show. I didn't realise how many other bloody movies they had made. And it's just like the titles are like such B-movie kind of schlocky ones like Highlander 2, The Quickening, Highlander 3, The Sorcerer, Highlander, Highlander, Endgame. And then when you've got a title like that, you think, well, that's probably it. Nope, there's still another one. Highlander, The Search for Vengeance. It's like, oh my god that like that has got to be a cliche and then there's like and highlander the source so it's like oh my i just had to chuckle at how absurd these titles and that um they were gonna remake the movie the highlander the reckoning and then there's the tv show i i'm amazed that they've managed to milk this franchise that much well that's what's incredible is they haven't made money that's the thing the the first one i thought the first one was like this big success and no wonder there are sequels but it wasn't a box office success it was a success on video which i guess prompted them a few years later to do the quickening highlander 2 but then that wasn't a success but then we still get more sequels i don't know i guess the video market for it was so popular that they felt they could keep doing it i I mean i guess so it's just it is one of those you know they they should have just stuck to their the tagline of the film you know there can be only one they should have stopped it there but they're kind of, i mean i've just been looking up on imdb and there's this wonderful review of highlander 2 i've just got to read it it says it's a guy who saw the premiere of the film in, in edinburgh so you know after the success of highlander you know they made highlander 2 they brought it to edinburgh for the premiere this could have been during the festival the theater was packed and having really enjoyed the first movie like i guess most of the audience were we were really excited to see the sequel. You can imagine our disappointment. Lots of people, including us, left 20 minutes before the end and were quite angry about how ineptly oh, no. bad it was. I would rather go and clean the toilet than sit through it again. On second thoughts, I'd rather come and clean your toilet and I don't like cleaning toilets. Don't you get the idea? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that probably sums it up. And despite that, I still kind of <laughs> want to watch it. Um, I just, I guess I'm into just punishing myself. I don't understand, but all right. Well, I can watch it and then go clean someone's toilet. And then I'll go clean. (laughs) Yeah. Why not? Let's just, let's just commit to the bit. But I, um, (laughs) overall final ratings for the film on a scale of one to five, let's just say phony accents because nobody has the right accent unless it's in the New York scenes. The Americans (laughs) are the only ones who have the appropriate accents. On a scale of one to five phony accents, Lee, how many, with one being the lowest and five being the highest, would you give Highlander? I know this will sound harsh, but I would give it a kind of a two out of five. I mean, I did enjoy myself. I thought it was a good way to spend like a Thursday evening. I've enjoyed this whole kind of process of watching it, but like it's not that great a film. It's not my kind of real cup of tea, but like yeah i enjoyed it 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 flew by but will i think about it again outside of sort of the the funny memeable sides probably not but it's um will i want to watch the sequels absolutely not so (laughs) i kind of have to put it about sort of the two mark i mean i don't have a relationship with this film that usually maybe adds an extra star on it for me but yeah it was it was good it was it was a, a very lovely two before this rewatch, I would have had it at a four because the last time I saw it, it was the 30th anniversary at the Edinburgh Film Festival with Clancy Brown. And, you know, this was a packed audience who were clearly fans of the film. You know, they were whooping and hollering at certain bits. You know, there was a great atmosphere. So that was a four. But rewatching it now and being as critical as I can be, I would I would give it three phony Scottish accents out of five. I'd probably go with Lee. I, I'd give it a two. Um, Again, I... I, I 
almost hate I hate movies that bore me. Like I I hate a movie that bores me more than a movie that's technically more terrible because with terrible movies you can at least laugh at them and get the entertainment value out of that. Uh, Highlander is definitely not a terrible movie. It's it's so stupid, but it there's a charm to it where I kind of am like I get why people have latched onto it. Now whether or not it's the the passion for this movie is justified. I don't know about that. I, I even now I think a lot of people have to like we saw in the Twitter conversation put an asterisk next to their love of this movie where they're like, well, it doesn't hold up. Yeah, it's stupid, but I still like it. Uh, I, I but it was it was fine. I mean, it, it could have been real boring. It could have been just horrific, but it wasn't. And there's a cool style to it, and I like the the concept. It's just it's so it is so 80s and it's so cheap that it's it's hard to really really engage with the movie. But I'm not upset I watched it. I'm glad I finally got to to see the movie. I feel like it's it's good to check that one off the box now. But yeah, that's that's that. Is there anything else we want to say about Highlander? I think I'm I'm good. I'm good. Dallas I I I think we we've, we've covered everything uh about uh, although actually I just want to say you both seem to call you both are pronouncing it's Highlander, and I keep calling it Highlander. So, oh, man. I don't know what I think. I think that's a Scottish thing that you know, depending where you're from, you know, it's certain people have different ways of saying it, and that's I, I noticed at the beginning of the thing. I was like, hmm, I call it. Highlander. We should ask. We should ask our Highlander. Yeah, we should ask ask the public. You know what 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 is the correct way to pronounce Highlander? Has Highlander. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like Highlander more because it makes me feel more Scottish when I say it, and I feel like that's well, how you should. Yeah, you got to really get from the back of your throat. Highlander, Highlander. Like I, I like it. You see, have, already I, you're already you're more Scottish than Christopher Lambert. Was so a, there you, know. <laughs> like you, you can be you can be Connor McLeod in the remake. That's perfect. That's <laughs> all I ever wanted, really. But uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. I'm so glad we got to uh, to watch this movie together. Uh, tell the good people at home about your fantastic podcast, Filibuster, and where everyone might find it yeah well we have two thrilling podcasts now uh, yeah so um well i'll plug filibuster and i'll let dallas plug a24 as a a good double act uh so filibuster we kind of we've now crossed over 150 episodes which is a a thrill so we kind of cover well really everything we have interviews we have film discussions we had an episode this week all about the bafta nominations which will have the most probably niche audience in the world and um, so it's kind of a bit of everything for if you're a film fan there's always something each week kind of for you so yeah that's that's a thrill and obviously we have uh, the a24 project too yeah the a24 project is going through the back catalog of a24's output uh, looking at every two weeks we'll look at two films in the back catalogue. We're currently on episode 7, so we've just looked at Tusk and Laggies slash Say When, depending on whether you're in the US or UK. And yeah, every two weeks we'll look at a couple of films and we'll slowly make our way towards the uh, un- unreachable goal for Lee, which is 8th grade. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's perfect. And uh, again, check out thenerdparty.com. Check out these fantastic podcasts from these two gentlemen. They really are great. And there's, there's tons of great content on that website and we're missing frames as a part of it, as I'm sure you guys are already well aware. And we've got tons of stuff. Star Trek, Star Wars, films, TV. I mean, we cover so much. It's fantastic. And if you like what you're hearing, feel free to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you might be listening to this. Uh, I, I thoroughly appreciate the listens and the support you've been giving us. And uh, again, I'm just thrilled. 
I'm thrilled that Highlander exists at all. The, this movie was made at all. It, it makes me happy. And sadly, there can't be only one, but at least we still <laughs> can look back fondly on this ridiculous movie. Gentlemen, thank you again for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.